everyone. Welcome to New Point Community Church. Thanks for joining our podcast today. We pray that this series and this message inspires you to grow your faith and builds your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, everyone. And if you don't know me, my name is Dan, and I am privileged to be one of the campus pastors here at New Point. I get to serve in beautiful Holmes County at our Millersburg campus with those wonderful people. And of course, this is Memorial Day weekend. Hopefully, you are going to take some time to remember the price that was paid for your freedom. And maybe you've got uh, plans to get together with family today or tomorrow. I'm getting together with some family to do a cookout. Uh, But whatever your plans are, uh, hopefully you've already done your grocery shopping. Uh, I don't normally do the grocery shopping in our family. Uh, I'm not usually allowed to. But uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I I had some time to kill. And so I just went to the grocery store and picked up just a few items. Didn't really need anything. Uh, But I I learned a, a very sobering fact that day. And that is that prices on everything at the grocery store have changed dramatically, haven't they? And not just on a few things, really on everything. And that day, I really just picked up a few uh, items. I had like a bag of Doritos, uh, a stick of deodorant, some gum, a couple items from the deli and the freezer section. And I I went up to the cash register and uh, the girl rang me up and she said, "Uh, sir, that'll be $86. And I literally laughed out loud and said, well, oh, come on. Now that can't be right. And uh, she said, no, that's, that's what it is. And I was waiting for her to look at the receipt and to say, oh, I'm sorry, sir, you're right. We charged you $50 for that Hot Pocket and it was only $5. Uh, but that didn't happen. In fact, she was kind of looking at the bag boy like, you could tell this guy hasn't been shopping in the last few months. And uh, so I, I looked at the receipt and I, I reluctantly pulled out my credit card. I paid for the groceries and I walked out into the parking lot. And this is no lie. I was just, I was staring at my receipt like, like a fool. I felt like I had been taken advantage of, like I'd been ripped off. I was waiting for someone to tell me this was a practical joke or something. And I actually, I called my wife and I was looking for some sympathy. And I said, honey, I just spent $86 at IGA and I'm coming home with nothing absolutely nothing of value, nothing that will last more than five minutes at our house. And she said, Dancy, this is why you're not allowed to do the shopping. And uh, I, I, I truly walked away from that as I was driving home. I felt like uh, an absolute fool. I felt like uh, no matter what the cost was uh, of what I had purchased, I knew in my heart I was not walking away with $86 worth uh, of what I had paid for. Uh, I, I knew that. And this morning, we are in a message series on relationships. And for a lot of us, maybe we can have that same feeling inside of a relationship where you feel like a fool. You feel like what I'm putting into this relationship, the time, the effort, the energy, the care, the concern, I'm not getting much back at all in return. I'm not getting a return on the investment of of what I'm, I'm putting into this marriage or the relationship with my adult children, or the relationship with my parents, or or maybe it's friends or coworkers. And you would say, if I was to look at the receipt of my relationships, I'm not getting back what I am paying into this, what I'm putting into this. And maybe you would walk away from that and say, this relationship, it's just simply not worth the cost. Well, the title of our our message series last few weeks has been The Relationship Survival Guide, a field guide to the art of living with people. 
And what we have learned so far is that relationships can be messy. Uh, they, they all are. But we believe that God has given to us the relationship survival guide and that God's word is quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it is able to meet us right where we are this morning. How many of you believe God's word can touch you today? Do you believe that? If you're willing, it can. Well, we are so glad to have you with us here today at church, whether you're with us at one of our six campuses or whether you are tuning in online, however you are joining us. Thank you so much for being with us. We're gonna start this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And that has been our theme passage really throughout this series. And this morning, our text is gonna be verse seven. Uh, but by way of context, let's start back at verse one as we read God's word this morning. The Apostle Paul writes this, he says, if I speak human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all of my possessions and if I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It's never self-seeking. It's not irritable. And it does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but it rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now, that passage that we just read this morning, I would say is one of the most famous passages in all of scripture. I mean, it's right up there with Psalm 23, John 3, 16. In fact, you might be here this morning and you're not really sure uh, what you believe about God. You're really not sure what you think about the Bible, but the odds are, if that's you, you have heard and probably quoted that passage. You've said somewhere along the line, love bears all things. Uh, maybe you have that sign hanging in your living room uh, over your, your, your family area, love bears all things. Things. Uh, I, I had a friend of mine that had it engraved on her necklace. It was given to her by a, a boyfriend. Love bears all things. Uh, maybe it's crocheted on a pillow uh, in your bedroom. Uh, I, I knew someone that had love bears all things tattooed right on his arm, uh, right over the name of an ex-girlfriend that eventually he had to cross out and uh, put the name mom on there or something. But love bears all things is something that's familiar to all of us. And when a passage is that familiar, Sometimes uh, we can miss out really on what, what the context is in scripture. And Paul has a much deeper thought in this passage than what we normally take uh, when we read 1 Corinthians 13. Now, the topic, of course, is love, but Paul's talking about a deep, genuine, a biblical kind of love. And in fact, the, the passage that we just read, th there's not a lot in that description about love that sounds like a, a lot of fun or a lot of enjoyment, right? Uh, and I say that because most of the time when we think about love, if you're like me, I associate love with, with good feelings, with having fun. If you were to say this young couple here, are they're, they're in love, uh, you might imagine that they're on a Ferris wheel at, at a carnival somewhere holding hands. Or, or if they're in love, maybe they're on a paddle boat uh, together, you know, sharing a milkshake with two straws, uh, an REO Speedwagon song playing in the background, you know, something easy, something relaxing. Uh, that, that's what we think of when we think of love. It's there's no effort. It's just easy. It's just good times. It's just fun. And yet Paul is writing here and he's saying that actually real love, genuine love is going to take a lot of work. 
It's going to take a lot of effort. It's not always going to be fun and easy and good times. In fact, there will be times that it is quite difficult. That is what Paul is writing to us when he's talking to us about love. And, And he's challenging the church in Corinth here. And I love how he corrects them. It's really a great lesson for all of us in how to to correct anybody. He's correcting them by saying to them here, there are all these things that you're doing well. There's all these things that, that, that you are very good at. But he says, it's time really to grow up. He says, it's time to put away childish things. Now, again, when we think about putting away childish things, that, that's not a lot of fun. Uh, being mature, um, having to do things that require responsibility, things that that take work and effort. uh, That's not what we want to think about when we think about love. But Paul is telling us, he's telling the church here, for your relationships to work, you've got to love in a mature, deep way. Now, think about maturity. In in our day and age, 2022, uh, sometimes we like to kind of pat ourselves on the back a little bit when we do something that requires maturity or requires responsibility. Uh, We've got a term for that that sometimes you'll you'll see. Uh, Have you ever seen the term maybe on Facebook or, or on Twitter or Instagram, the term adulting? And somebody will say, you know, it's usually in a self-deprecating uh, kind of funny way of, I had to do something I didn't want to do today, but I just had to grow up uh, and, and I was adulting. I saw a lady just, just a week ago, she was around my age and she had put on Facebook, she said, I folded laundry today, first time in, in, in a week, hashtag adulting. Like she wanted a little, you know, congratulations that she had to do something that required maturity. Uh, I saw a young man uh, not long ago that he, he put something along these lines. He said, I wore clean underwear today. Uh, first time in three weeks, uh, hashtag adulting. Uh, and my favorite one was a young lady that said, I ate a banana for breakfast today rather than my typical cigarette and Diet Coke, adulting. And so adulting is just this idea that says, I, I realize I've come to a place in my life where, where I, have to, I have to do something that requires effort that might not be a lot of fun, but, but as an adult, as a mature person, I got to do it. And Paul is telling the church, that's how we love. And he begins first couple of verses that we read by saying, these are all the things that you're doing great. He says, you are, you are moving mountains with your faith. He says, you, you've got all this success in all of these areas. But he says, here is why you are nothing. And he drops the hammer on him. And he says, it's because in your relationships, you don't know how to love properly. I don't know if you've watched any of the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. I haven't watched much of it, but it was on uh, the TV in my house the other day. And I just caught this one little moment where the lawyer was asking Johnny Depp something along the lines of what all have you lost through your divorce, through this trial, uh, through everything that's going on here. And he paused for a moment and he said, what have I lost? He said, nothing short of everything. And I said, there it is. That's someone that that has fame, he has fortune, he has good looks, he has everything, just like what Paul was telling the church here. But he says, because my marriage has fallen apart, because I can't can't stay in in a healthy relationship, I feel like nothing. And that might be you this morning. You might say, Dan, if you knew me, by the world standards, I am a success. I run my own business. I've got nice vehicles. I have a beautiful home. But I come to that home and my marriage is falling apart or my kids won't talk to me. And I feel like nothing. And Paul is giving us a challenge here and saying it's time to grow up. It's time to adult here. And he says, there are really four ways that you can, you can love in a deep and in a mature way. And the first one that he gives to us is love bears all things. He says simply, love bears 
all things. Now, what does Paul mean when he says love bears all things? Well, a couple of years ago, I went fishing on the uh, uh, Gulf of Mexico with my sons. And that day, we had some great success uh, shark fishing. And we caught a, a bunch of sharks, hammerheads, uh, lemon sharks, spinner sharks. Uh, all of my boys caught several sharks. I was the only one that didn't have a great day. I caught one shark, and uh, you have to look real closely there. Uh, it was a baby. The captain said maybe a few days old, but it was a shark. It really was. Uh, but we learned something interesting that day as, as we were catching these sharks. The sharks had these, these scars uh, underneath them, really all over their side, all over their body. And we kind of assumed, well, those shark, those scars were from battles. They're sharks, they're predators, and they're fighting with one another and fighting with killer whales and fighting with giant squid. And the captain said, no, he said, more than likely, those scars are not from fighting with other sharks. He said, those scars come from mating with other sharks. And he explained in a little more detail than what was necessary, kind of the mating uh, habits of sharks in front of my junior high age boys. So a lot of giggles uh, on the boat that day. But I, I learned something interesting. And, and I thought it was, it was really powerful. And it's true for you and I when it comes to our relationships. That oftentimes the scars that we carry with us are not a result of fighting with enemies, but they're a result of trying to hold on, trying to keep a relationship together. And many times the deepest scars, the deepest wounds and hurts that we have are, are not from people trying to fight us necessarily, but they're from people that are closest to us. And you might be sitting here this morning and saying, Dan, that's me. My, my deepest hurts, my deepest wounds in my life have come from my own mother. Or maybe you'd say my, my own husband, the things that he has said to me, the things that he has done. How do I love someone who has wounded me deeply? How do I stay in a relationship with someone who, who has put scars all through my, my past? How do I move past yesterday's issues and keep a relationship together there? Well, recognize, first of all, that the glue that holds any relationship together long-term is going to be love. We've all got uh, shallow uh, surface relationships where we don't love someone, but we know someone. Those relationships may not last, but if a relationship's gonna last over the long haul, there has to be love. But love is no guarantee that that relationship will, will be easy or, or will be, be pain-free or will even stay together. And so how do I stay in a relationship uh, where, where there's, there's pain and where there's hurt? Well, here's what love bears all things means. It means this. It means to carry another person's burden. So part of God's plan is that, that you've got issues, I've got issues, and we're going to work through these problems. We're going we're gonna to carry these burdens in life by, by the relationships that we have with other people. Imagine this morning that, that I'm coming to a door and you're coming the opposite way through that door and you're carrying, you know, four or five big boxes from Amazon. You can't really see around those boxes and you can't get to the door. I'm going to see that. I'm going to open that door. I'm going to say, hey, let me take a couple of those boxes from you. And even if you resist and say, no, 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 I'm good. I'm going to insist. Oh, no, I've got to help you. Why? Because I'm not carrying any boxes and I'm the closest one to you. And that's God's plan that as I have burdens, those that are closest to me are gonna enable me to move on with my life and to get through my problems by helping bear those burdens with me. Paul puts it this way in Galatians 6, verse two. He says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. 
So this is God's plan. You are fulfilling God's will for your life when you don't point out the, the burdens and the problems that, that your, your spouse has, but rather you, you recognize them and say, let me help you. Let me assist you with that. I love the quote that uh, the theologian John MacArthur gives to us. He says this, he says, love bears all things by protecting the one you love from exposure. Love does not gossip or listen to gossip. Even when a sin is certain, love tries to correct with the least possible hurt or harm to the guilty person. Love never protects the sin, but is anxious to protect the sinner. So again, I'm not excusing the love or the, or the, the sin in the person that I love in their life, but I'm not broadcasting it either. I'm looking for ways to, 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 to help them, to assist them, to show them love, to show them grace. And I'm able to do that because that's God's plan for my life. Now, the opposite of that is Proverbs 10, 12. And Proverbs 10, 12 says, hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers all wrongs. So the reason this is so difficult is that my, my tendency, my human nature is always going to be that I want to point out the flaws uh, in, in my wife. I want to make sure that she knows that I know that she's still got this problem. And I do that because it makes me feel better about my own shortcomings, right? Uh, my, my wife and I, our two youngest sons, they play basketball. And this past winter, uh, we were at one of their games and we were sitting up in the stands uh, cheering them on. And I felt like my wife was cheering just a little too loud. And so I kind of leaned over to her and said, honey, do you think you could maybe tone it down? And she kind of looked at me and said, well, why do I need to tone it down? And I said, well, you're yelling out every play. You're calling every player by name. You're yelling at the referees. I said, look around. Nobody else is doing that. And she said, I'm not the only one doing that. She said, that guy is. And I said, yeah, he's the head coach, honey. Okay. I said, you're not the head coach. You're not a referee. We're not playing. I said, they're just kids having fun. I said, it doesn't matter who wins or who loses. Can we just sit here and just, just enjoy the game? And she kind of laughed and she said, you're right. She said, I was a little intense. And so for, for most of the rest of the game, we sat there uh, uh, peacefully just enjoying the game till about 30 seconds left in the game. And at that point, my son was fouled for about the 10th time and there was no call. And I instinctively jumped up and said, hey, ref, how is that not a foul? Now, I thought I kind of yelled that in my inside voice, but, but I knew it was a little loud when really the game literally stopped and everybody kind of turned their head and looked up at me and the refs looked at me and the coaches and all of the fans. And there's this one dad that always sits by me and he just kind of looked at me like, not cool, Pastor Dan, not cool. And I sat down uh, kind of embarrassed and, and my wife, no lie, she says, uh, what, what was that you told me about toning it down? Uh, and the truth is, for all of us, it is always easier to, to point out the faults in someone else than it is in our own lives. And usually what bothers us about somebody else is something that we can relate to. It's something that we, we struggle with in our own life. So Paul comes in and he tells us this. He says, in your relationship, your job, love bears all things. And the original language, bears all things, means this. It means to remain under. And the, the, the image here, the visual is that, that you and your spouse or your partner, uh, your, 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 your friend, your child, you are under an umbrella together. And the storms of life are hitting you and you could flee, you could run away. But in this relationship, love keeps you there. And you remain in that storm with the person that you love, choosing to stay with them because love bears 
all things. Now, I think instinctively, a lot of us understand this and we get it. You would say, Dan, I know that that in a marriage, in a long-term relationship, there's gonna be ups and downs and, and there are times you have to bear the burden uh, with the person that you love. But uh, where most of us fall short, I think, is, is that phrase, all things. For most of us in our hearts, we have it kind of figured out love bears some things. Love bears a lot of things, but we've all gone and got this line in our, in our minds where if, if, if my wife crosses this line, if my husband crosses this line, if my kids do this, well, then all bets are off. And did you notice Paul gives no qualifications in this passage? He over and over again just says all things, meaning if I am in a, a loving relationship with this person, my job is to bear all things with them. Now, now you might say, well, Dan, how do I do that? How do I bear all things. I can bear some things, but there's a limit to what I can do. And Paul writes this in Romans 5, 8. It's one of my favorite verses. He says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Meaning at my very worst, at your worst, Jesus bore your greatest burden. And not just some of it, not, not just part of it, not, not just some of the bad things, but all of it, all of your sin, he bears all of that, demonstrating for us what love is. And so I'm able to take that mindset and to say, all right, this is difficult. This is challenging. I got to act like an adult here. I've got to show maturity. Love bears all things. If Christ can forgive me for everything that I know I've done, then I can show that same love, that same grace, that same forgiveness to somebody in a relationship. Love bears all things. Second of all, Paul writes this. He says, love believes all things, believes all things. Now, believes all, all things is just simply means that you are rooting for that person you're in the relationship with. It's the opposite of being suspicious of your spouse and saying, well, what did she mean by that? Or why did he give me that look? Uh, was that passive aggressive? Love believes all things means I'm just going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to assume positive intent. Even if I didn't understand what was said or why it was said that way, I'm going to give them, give them grace. I'm going to assume they meant it. Well, correctly, not negatively. And the reason that we do that is that most of the time that positive intent is what was meant. I was at a, a restaurant not long ago and I ran into a good friend of mine and I went over to him and I was like, hey, how are we doing? And I just noticed he was a little bit cold with me. He wasn't as friendly to me as I was to him. And I walked over to my table with my wife and I was just kind of like, well, I don't know what his problem was. And I started to look on my phone through past text messages, wondering, did I say something? Did I do something that maybe offended him that I wasn't aware of? And about an hour after that meal, he texted me and he said, it was so good to see you today, Dan. He said, I don't know if you knew this, but he said, I, I was having one of the worst days I've had in a long time. He said, it's work, it's the pressure, it's the stress. And he said, could you just pray for me? And I thought, that's what it was. Assume positive intent. They say uh, that, that there's three stages in life. Maybe you've heard this before, three different stages in life. There's your 20s. And in your, your 20s, you care what everybody thinks about you, don't you? You care. You care what they think about your clothes, about your car, about your home. You care what people think about you. Then, then there's your 40s, uh, kind of where I am today. And in your 40s, you, you don't care anymore. You just don't care. You don't care what people think. You don't care what they're saying. Uh, you, you don't care. You just wear what you want. You say what you want. You don't care what people think anymore. Then there's your 60s. In your 60s, you realize nobody was ever thinking about you to begin with, right? 
How many of you a little bit older can testify and say, that is true, it is. Uh, see, we waste so much time and so much energy and so much worry thinking, you know, trying to read people's minds and wondering what they meant by that when most of the time we can just show grace. Paul says, love believes the best. Just, just, just believe the best, give them the benefit of the doubt. Now, what happens when you do that and you get burned? Number three, Paul says this, he said, love hopes all things. So you might be sitting here this morning and saying, well, Dan, I did believe in my husband. I gave him the benefit of the doubt and, and he broke my heart. Or I believed in my teenager. I trusted him or, or her. Uh, but now I found out they're involved in behavior that, that I would never approve of and it's destroying our family. What do you do when you believe in someone and they shatter that belief? That's where Paul says love clings to hope. Love still has hope. And you say, well, how can I have hope in someone who has betrayed me? And and here it is. As long as God's grace is effective, human failure is never final. You can write that down in your notes. As long as God's grace is effective, human failure is never final. It's not. God is a God of second chances. Praise the Lord, right? And all through scripture, we, we, we see that theme. It was the Israelites, 40 years wandering in the desert, worshiping false idols, uh, um, doubting God, complaining. And God says, we're gonna get there eventually 40 years later. Uh, the apostle Paul, when, when John Mark betrayed him and he says, I don't wanna take him on a missionary journey, Barnabas gives him another chance and says, he is good for my ministry. Now, Peter, who denies Jesus vehemently, curses three times. Next scene that we see, he's weeping bitterly and Jesus comes along and says, Peter, do you love me? He says, you know that I do. God is a God of second chances and no human failure is final as long as God's promises are true. What do you do when you can't believe in the person that you love anymore? Love hopes all things. Finally, this morning, Paul writes this. He said, love endures all things. And enduring all things is really the last step in in this process. When when you've run out of hope, when you've run out of belief, when you can't bear it anymore, endures means this, it's in the original language, it's a military term describing an army that is holding to a vital position at all costs. Meaning that, that here's this army, they are under enemy fire and it's coming from all directions and their mission, their job is to stand their ground. It is to hold on, don't give up, don't cede that, that land, that territory. And for, for some of us, that might be a description right there of your marriage where you'd say, yeah, that's there. I'm struggling and it feels like enemy fire is everywhere. And right now we're just holding on. See, when you're at an altar and you're getting married and you're pledging and you're hearing the pastor say, love believes all things, it bears all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. Well, it's easy to make that commitment to someone and to say, yeah, I believe that, I pledge that. But 10 years later, 20 years later, 30, 40 years later in your marriage, it might feel more like a military position where you're just holding on for dear life. And if that's you this morning and you're wondering, how do I move forward? How do do I get back into a, a loving relationship with this person when it is so difficult? Paul gives us the answer in Galatians 2.20 and we'll close with this passage. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. And so Paul is saying here, he said, there's a lot of things in life that I just, I I can't do it on my own. I, I no longer live. 
There will be times where I can't bear love anymore in this relationship. When I don't have hope, I don't have belief, I don't want to endure, I'm ready to quit. And Paul says in that, he says, I now live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God, meaning that I can only do this through the love of Christ. And now go back with me, verse Corinthians 13. And and did did you recognize something? As we read through that passage, Paul begins it by describing love as as something uh, that that we have to put into action, something that we do. And then he shifts the focus towards the end of what we read. And suddenly he starts describing love in human terms. He's describing something non-human as if it was a human. And there's a reason for that. It's because love became a human. And rather than giving us more things to do, which Paul knew the church in Corinth, they would have said, yeah, we're successful. We'll do those things. He shifts the focus and says, love is now someone that you need to know. Because love became a person who walked on this earth for 33 years, died on the cross for your sins and for mine. Love rose from the grave and sits on the right hand of the Father, praying for us, interceding on our behalf right now, praying that we would grow up praying that we would adult, praying that we would learn to love others the way he loves us. And the only way I can do that isn't by trying harder to love more. It's by knowing my savior. And as I know Jesus, the love of Christ begins to overflow into all of my other relationships. And now I can bear all things. I can believe in you. I can have hope. I can endure anything because Christ, his love is flowing out of me. And love will never be something you can do until love is someone that you know. And we're gonna close this morning with a word of prayer. And after I pray, we're gonna hear a powerful story from the Gibson family, a family from our New Point Coshocton campus about how love bared all things through their life. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you so much, Lord, that you loved us enough to demonstrate for us once and for all on the cross what true love is. God, I pray that each and every one of us, Lord, we would fall in love with Jesus and that his love would be the love that the world around us sees. We give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to know more about us, please visit our website at newpoint.org. There you'll find past messages, parent resources, times and locations to all of our physical campuses, or you could just download our app at newpoint.org app. There you can find all those same resources just in a mobile version. We want to say thank you again for joining us and we'll see you next time.